Lord God, to worship you. God, I choose, Lord, to set my heart on you this morning. God, I choose to worship you and praise you, God. And I don't know where you're at this morning, but I know that God is here and he's ready and willing to meet with you this morning. God, we're going to call out to you. Somebody just needs to start calling out to Jesus. Someone just say, Jesus, come, come, Lord, into my heart. Come into my life, God. Come into this place, oh, Lord. Be made big in me, Jesus. Oh, God, we're calling after you. Just one more time, I'm falling.
we declare that every heavy weight, God, every burden would be lifted, oh God, as your love comes down, Lord Jesus. God, show us who you are in this place, God. We love you, Lord. Just raise your voice and praise him. We love you. We love you. We love you, Jesus. Your love is enough for me. Oh, it's enough for me, Jesus. Your love, Lord. Oh, shout out this part. You walk on waves. You run with clouds. You paint the sky for me to see.
worship you and be filled with joy is because of who you are. Not because of our situation or what we're going through right now, God. Not because of what we have in the bank, oh God, or what friends we have. God, the reason we can worship you, God, the reason we can sing of your love is because of who you are, God. God, you are fighting in our corner, God. You are our best friend. Jesus, you are the, the steerer of our lives, God. You are the author of our life, of our soul, Jesus. We can trust in who you are, God. You are faithful to the end, Jesus. And God, we trust you this morning. Come on, if you trust him, just raise your hands with me. And just say, God, I trust you. Man, I do not know what you're going through, but he does. If there's something in your life right now that you need to trust God with, it might be hard for you to sing this morning. It might be hard for you to, to, to sing this song and just feel free. But right now, I'm believing that faith is going to come to you right now as you look to Jesus. Come on, if you need to trust God right now, I want you to just raise those hands as a sign of surrender, saying, God, I don't have it all together. I don't understand it, God. I can't hold my life together. But, Lord, I know you can, Jesus. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. Come on, if you got to say that with your own lips, just say, God, I trust you. I trust you, Lord. I love you this morning, God. Jesus, I trust you and who you are. You are all that I need, God. You are all that we need, Jesus, this morning. until you have 100% of us, God. Oh, God, we worship you this morning. Our heart is yours. Come on, sing that with us. You won't relent. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. You won't relent until you have it all.
those hands right now. Don't leave. Don't leave until he touches you. Come on. Raise up that voice and say, Holy Ghost, come. Come. Come into this place, Lord. Change me, God. Send me on fire for you, Jesus. begin to seek the Lord right now. Take some time to go after him. If you don't know how to do that, just close your eyes and say, Jesus, search my heart and see if there's any wicked way in me. 
show it to me so I can confess it. And then as the Lord shows it to you, ask him to lead you in the paths of righteousness. Come on, just start to seek him right now. God wants to cleanse your heart. God, show us our hearts. Show us what's on the inside. Oh, God, and lead us in the paths of everlasting life. Show me my heart, those places that I hide. Come on, expose them, Jesus. Expose those places of our hearts right now. Just take the next few moments because that's what we're saying. We're saying, God, you won't relent. So take these next few moments to say, God, show me my heart. Cleanse me. Purify me. As you're doing that right now, I'm going to ask Bertel to bring the American flag because then we're going to start to pray for a nation today. We're going to pray for a nation that's backslidden. In the time of summer when people don't want to go to church because there's all these other things competing with their time, we're going to pray for this nation. We're going to pray that God will expose their need, that whatever they put their hope in right now, it will come up empty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus. Let's just begin to lift up our hearts for this nation right now. Just begin to lift up your hearts. Nancy, would you start praying for us? And then somebody else come up after or maybe from the 201 class or one of our elders or deacons. Let's just pray for a backslid in America right now that needs Jesus. Jesus. Right now, God. Right now, Jesus. Send forth revival, God. God, have mercy on our nation, God. Have mercy on us, Jesus. For we are backslidden, God. Have mercy on us. Have mercy, God, because we think we don't need you anymore. Have mercy, God. Let us start in the church. Forgive us, God, for not being a bride that is spotless and clean. God, I pray, Jesus, that you will cleanse your church, God, of the sin and the filth of the world. Forgive us, God, for our homosexuality, for our greed, for our selfishness. Forgive America, God, for turning her back on you. We are one nation under God. We have been founded on the word of God. Help us to return. Help us to return in repentance, God. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our pride, God, in trusting in our finances and not trusting in the God of the universe. Jesus, have mercy on America for our abortions, God, for taking you out of our schools, for taking you out of our government. Have mercy on our leadership, God. May we return with mourning and weeping and wailing for you to send your rain on our land, for you to send your healing rain again. God, you said in your word that if we would humble ourselves, turn from our wickedness and seek for forgiveness, God, you would turn and heal our land, God. Heal America again, Jesus. Send revival, God. Send revival. Do what only you can do. It is not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. Oh, Jesus, send your spirit to America. In Jesus' name.
Come on, somebody else, just begin to pray for this nation. Just come Father forward. God, yes. Father God, we come before you, right God. Now, we Jesus come before name. you, and we are sorry. Jesus. Lord God, we know Give that us. if we don't stand up, we got to get out of our closet. we got to get out of our passivity, God. we got to stand up for our nation, God. we got to stand up for what's right because you tell us to, God. We are out there, Lord Jesus, and we are watching people just walk into Vanity Fair. They are of the world, God. And we are so sorry, Lord, that we've let it come this far, God. And we just ask you, Lord God, that you will raise up a nation of disciples, God, that you will change us from the inside out, that we would never be the same, God, that we would never be the same because our men and our women are turning to the things of the world. We are turning to our perversion. We are turning to our sexual greed and our sexual lust, and we are turning to money, and we are expecting it to solve all our problems, God, but that is what's corrupting us worse. Lord God, and I pray that you just, your Holy Spirit rains down, that you will call out your nation of believers, that there will be an eradication of wickedness in the churches, God, that they will not just sit in their pews anymore, God, that they will not just be okay with just coming to church and singing some songs, God, that they will just feel this, this fire within us, God, that you will set us free, God, to preach to the nations, God, because you've called us to, you've called us to a life of joy and a life of prosperity in your everlasting kingdom, God. Let it be poured out on your people, God. Let us not be passive anymore. Let us not be passive anymore. Let us go and preach and make disciples and actually believe in the, in the great commission, God. We thank you so much, Lord, for raining down upon us, God. I thank you, Lord, for sending us. And all he has to say to you is if you say, pick me, choose me, use me, send me he will send you and you will go you will go and go with all your heart because he will be with you and there is nothing to fear if you have God because what does it profit a man to gain his soul or gain Lord God help me but what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul God will send you if you just ask him to amen can we just hold hands across this place right now and just begin to pray for each other right now? Just begin to lift up each other. Just say, Lord, bless my neighbor. Come on, let's pray for each other right now. Let's pray that next week these empty chairs will be filled with the people we're praying for right now. Come on, I know my cousins need Jesus. I know my uncle needs Jesus. I know my neighbor needs Jesus. What about you? Are there people in your life that need Jesus? Are you going to let them go to hell while they're going to the lake and get distracted this summer? Or do you want to believe God that they'll come next week and they'll give their heart to Jesus? Come on, let's fight back the devil right now. Come on, let's pray for our families and the families of the people's hands we're holding right now. Lord, save our families. Save our sons and daughters, our brothers, our sisters, our mothers, our fathers, our aunts, our uncles, our grandparents. Save our neighbors, our co-workers. God, save our community. Use us to preach your word. Use us, oh God, to make a difference. We call it forth, O oh God.
We wage war with Satan right now. We bind you, Satan, over their lives. We rebuke the spirit of adultery, perversion, the spirit of false religion. We rebuke the spirit of laziness, condemnation, and guilt. We rebuke the spirit of witchcraft, drug addiction, alcoholism. In the name of Jesus, Satan, loose them and let them go. We pray for a move of God to sweep across this nation. Come on, pray for 30 more seconds. Pray like they're standing over the pits of hell and your prayers make the difference because they do. Come on, come on. We wage war. We wage war. We wage war against the hordes of hell and we pray for freedom freedom call out their name call out their name and say be saved Tony be saved Karen be saved Elizabeth be saved in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus be saved be saved come home to the Father Come home to the Father. Come on, five more seconds. Five more seconds. Get serious right now that your prayers will hold back the pits of hell. Jesus. Jesus. Right now, God. Come on, Jesus. Wake up the band, God, so they can play. Come on, wake up the church so they can pray. Come on, man, meet us, meet us right now with excitement. Come on now, lift up your hands. Let out a shout of praise. Come on, lift out a shout of praise. Come on, you're not shouting. Lift up a shout that will tear down the walls. Come on, shout to God with a voice of triumph. Shout, shout, shout. Shout! The victory is yours! The victory is yours! Hallelujah! Glory! Glory! Jesus! If you believe it, slap your neighbor high five and say, I believe. Come on, slap your other neighbor high five and say, I believe. Praise God. Welcome to Metro Praise. You may be seated as you greet one another. We believe that God has a call for this nation. And we will not stop until we see what God said come to pass. I want you to open up your Bibles with me to Malachi chapter 1. I feel like going right into the message. We'll do announcements and offering at the end. But I want to challenge you today as you hear my words that you would let God speak to your heart. Because there is such a calling upon this church to do something great for God. And if you're here today, that means God wants you to be a part of it. I want you to look with me to Malachi chapter 1. We are in the middle of a building fund, not because we've chose to be, but because we have to get out of debt. In the midst of us getting out of debt right now, We have the promise of a new campus already given to us. 
a new location at Wicker Park to reach more people for Jesus. I refuse to let summer attendance define who we are as a church. When we went through Easter, God gave us a purpose. And he said in September, start a new campus. And didn't he know, Rachel, that we would be tested during the summer when people take off weddings? Some of these reasons people can't prevent. Others of them, they're just backslidden. And we pray they get really saved. Look at your neighbor and say, don't be kind of saved. That don't get you to heaven. Okay, just tell your neighbor, say, kind of save, kind of don't work. But when we were going through Easter, God gave us a plan. He said, go and take the land. To not ask for it, but to take it. And I want to share with you what holds us back as a church. What holds us back isn't the devil. Do you know that the devil's been already defeated? He's already been whooped, stepped on, crushed. You know what holds us back? Is the very people that call this their church. The very people who call Metro Praise their church. The very ones that God has brought to the church to be the answer can also be the hindrance. Let me show you. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 1. Today's message is the tithe. On the back of your announcements, our notes follow along. How many have ever been to a service where, if you weren't here in the first service, don't, if you were here in the first service, don't raise your hand, but how many have ever been to a church service where you've read an entire book of the Bible? Well, you're about ready to do that right now. We're going to read the entire book of Malachi. And some people say, Pastor, we, like, we don't hear enough of the Old Testament. You may not say that again after today's message from the Old Testament. You may want me to hang around with Jesus in the New Testament a little bit more. Look at Malachi chapter 1, verse 1. It says, An oracle, the word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Get ready for these questions that Jesus always asks on behalf of the people Malachi is writing because what Jesus is doing is he's qualifying his statements with these questions. So get ready for that. It happens a lot. I have loved you, says the Lord, but you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, the Lord says. Yet I have loved Jacob, but Esau I have hated. I have turned his mountains into a wasteland and left his inheritance to the desert jackals. Edom may say, though we have been crushed, we will rebuild the ruins. But this is what the Lord Almighty says. They may build, but I will demolish Let's say that together in the count of three. One, two, three. They may, but I will demolish. Amen. They will be called the wicked land, a people always under the wrath of the Lord. You will see it with your own eyes and say, great is the Lord, even beyond the borders of Israel. I want you to follow along even as I go to the PowerPoint with the notes that you have on the back. The first thing that we see as Malachi opens up this prophecy is that he is saying God loves Israel and has chosen Israel. 
Now, what is significant about this? Malachi is a prophet in the time after Israel has come back from captivity. Now, why were they in captivity? It was because of their sin and disobedience, and God allowed them to be uh, conquered by another nation. Now they have come back to their homeland. They have built a temple. Though this temple is not as nice as Solomon's temple, they have a temple, and they're, they're giving offering, and they're worshiping God. And God starts off by saying, hey, guys, you might have thought I forgot about you when you went into captivity but really I never forgot about you I've always loved you and the people who have fought against you I have always hated and Edom is the nation that came from Esau and if you go back in the Old Testament Jacob and Esau were twin brothers Esau had the inheritance and was supposed to be the child of promise but because he took so lightly the things of God he sold his birthright for a bowl of beans and from that point forward God said I'm against Esau and Esau people became the Edomites and when Israel, Jacob's descendants were being attacked by Babylon Edom turned against Israel and helped them defeat Israel and now they're back in Israel and Edom actually seems like it's prospering and God is saying listen, I have always loved you, I have always hated Edom and it doesn't matter how they rebuild and try to become strong their land will be desolate and where is the land of Edom today? It is a desolate wilderness in the country of Jordan. God kept his word. God was saying to his people, I got your back. Even though things have gone wrong, I am still with you. I love you. Now, how does this relate to us today in the church? God loves us. We may go through economic trials because of our own disobedience, because of greed. We may not understand why bad things happen to us here in America, but God is saying, I have chosen you, and I love you, and I still hate the things that enemies do against you. God is not for Islam and blowing up planes. God is not for communism and the people that hate America. God holds the covenant that our founding founding fathers made with them that um, under one nation under God is where we stand and so God is saying this to us today we can take it as a word to us that he says I love America and I've hated the enemies that have tried to destroy America and we need to be reminded of that today that even though in the time of economic hardship because of our own greed, because that's why I believe it's here. And I, if you don't understand this, you need to get past lessons. But I believe when you track from the greatest time of America's financial prosperity, the 50s, after the World War II, and we spent the most amount of money on church and missions, when you see what happened was the attack of the 60s, and those people from the 60s became our leaders in the 80s, and that's what caused us to see the depression that we're seeing now is because of what they started in the 80s. It didn't go away just with that one financial crash. I don't have time to explain it, but hear what Malachi is saying. God hates the wicked but loves the righteous, and he still loves Israel. But let's keep going. Verse 6 and onward. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty? It is you, O priest, who show contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we shown contempt for your name? And this is what he says. You have defiled food on my altar. But you ask, how have we defiled you? And here's what they say. By saying that the Lord's table is contemptible, when you bring blind animals for sacrifice, 
Is it not wrong? When you sacrifice crippled or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you, says the Lord Almighty? What is God saying to us? He's saying here to the people of Israel, Hey guys, you're coming to the temple and you're giving me tithe, which is 10% of your gross, and you're giving me offering, but here's the problem. You're not giving me your best. You're giving me what's left over. You're taking those bruised fruits and those animals that are blind that you couldn't sell at the market, and you're giving them to me. And he says, you have defiled my altar. He says, try to give that to your governor. Try to give that to Lady Gaga for tickets. Try to give that to the store you shop at. Try to give what you're giving to me to these places. See, that's how it relates to us. We're God's people, and we say we love God. But so many of us don't give to God what is His, the best. We don't, some of us don't even give the tithe. And then those of us who say, well, I don't need to tithe, try to give God an offering, and even then it's not the best. And, and, and God says, try to give that to your governor. Meaning, let's say today Chicago doesn't take your taxes out of your check. And they trust you to give your own taxes, which turns out to be somewhere around 10%. And and, and God is saying, now you give to the government what you're giving to me. Give your government a $5, $10 tip today and see how quickly you find yourself in jail. Give your governor the taxes like you give the church the tithe and see how far you get in life. Give the places you shop, the the, the mortgage that you pay. Give to them just a percentage of the mortgage. Give to your credit card just a percentage and see how quickly they get angry with you. And God says, you call me your father. He says, but where's my honor? Let's keep going. Verse 10. Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty, and I will accept no offering from your hands. God is so upset right now that he's watching these people, you know, say they're living for him, but they're really only giving him half-hearted service, giving to him whatever's left over, whatever they feel uh, they can do without. And God says, I'm so sick of what you are doing in church. One of y'all has enough sense. Lock the doors and shut this place down. God says some churches should be shut down. Churches where people don't give, don't support missions, don't go out and give to the poor, help the young people. God just says, shut those churches down. The people in that church are greedy. And now you might be thinking to yourself, oh, pastor, you're talking about money. You better watch out because I might get offended. Listen, Jesus said in the New Testament, you cannot serve two masters. You either love one and hate the other, hate one and love the other. And do you know what he said? You cannot serve God and money. Why did Jesus pick the number one competing master in your life would be money? Because every sin comes back to your pride and greed. Every sin. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Hey, Adam and Eve, here's all the trees of the garden. They're all yours. But this one, they're all mine. God, all mine, all mine. Yeah, they're all yours, Adam. They're all yours. These are all mine. Yeah, these are all mine. What about this one? That one's not yours. But all these are yours. But I want that one. That one's not yours. But all these, all these, yeah, all these. But I want that. That one's not yours. 
don't want that one. But I but God, but God, I, I want 100% of my check. But God, you know, I, no, all of it's yours, but the 10%, the 10%, that's mine. But God, I want all of it. No, no, all, 90% is yours, 10%. No, 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 God, I want all of it. And then that attitude comes into our life. Oh, God, you know, I'll give you two hours on Sunday, maybe twice a month. God says, no, I want all of it. I want prayer in the afternoon. I want worship songs at night. I want life groups and fellowship. I want attendance with your children. No, 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 God. God, I want all of that for my things. I just want to give you, see, greed is at the heart of everything we do against God. And he said, oh, that somebody would just shut the doors. Stop pretending I'm happy with what you're doing. He says, I don't even accept it anymore. Verse 11, my name will be great among the nations from the rising to the setting of the sun and every place incense and pure offerings will be brought to my name. Somebody say pure offerings. Thank you. Come on. Because my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, you know what? If y'all don't want to do it, just shut the doors. But I'll find a place where they give pure offerings and there I'll make my name great. Keep on reading. Verse 12, he says, but you profane it by saying of the Lord's table, it is defiled, and of its food, it is contemptible. And you say, verse 13, what a burden. And you sniff at it contemptuously, says the Lord Almighty. What a burden. You don't think God hears our hearts? What a burden. What a burden, God, to put you first in my money. God, what a burden to come to church and live for you. God, what a burden. Don't you know how hard it is? God says, I see you profaning what you do. You think what you do is acceptable to me because I should be happy just that little bit. But God says, I see how your heart is. You just look at it like a burden. Look, keep reading verse 13. When you bring injured, crippled, or diseased animals and offer them as sacrifices? Should I accept them from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name will be feared among the nations. What do you see in Malachi chapter 1? You see God chooses his people. That's like us as Christians. We've been chosen to be a part of the church. What's the second thing that you see? Is that God expects us to give him the best. The best. That's what we give God. We don't give God the blind animal. We don't give him the crippled one. That's what we give Cousin Flacco's, the crippled one. That's what we give our landlord. But to our God, we give the best. We don't give our best to Visa, to Lexus car payments, Honda car payments. We give our best, not to little Nene and little Bookie Boo. Our kids, our best goes to God. So the Bible says. And then he says, cursed are the cheats who do not give their best to God. He's upset with those who don't. Let's go to verse uh, chapter 2. Just in case you think I'm making it up today in the Bible. Amen. You're reading the whole book today. Sometimes people say, well, Pastor took it out of context. You're going to hear it all in context today, amen? You're going to hear the whole entire book. Whatever Malachi said is going to be served on a platter with some red beans and rice and cayenne pepper and hot sauce, baby. Amen. And if you love the Word of God, you're just saying, preach it. 
Look at chapter 2, verse 1. And now this admonition is for you, O priests. Everybody look up at me. Because the moment the pastor talks about money, oh, hold up the horses, right? Come on, stop the train. Come on, pastor, there's too many crooks out there. There's too many churches doing the wrong thing. Listen, God's got a word for them right now. And if you think what was bad for the people that don't give was bad, wait till you hear what he says to the priests. I guarantee you, you never thought this was in the Bible. I guarantee you. Verse 2, if you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor me, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants, that's your children, and I will spread on your faces the offal from your sacrifices and you will be carried off with it. You want to know what offal is? It's the fecal matter in the intestine of the animal before it comes out. The animals would be sacrificed and butchered, and then these intestines would be carried off and burned somewhere, not to stink up the place of the temple where they were sacrificing animals. God says to his priests, because of what you're doing, because you're stealing off my altar, you're not teaching the people. I'm going to take out that, that, that intestine, take out the fecal matter, and spread it over your face and send you out to the garbage with it. It says, I will send a curse upon you. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festive sacrifices. He says, I'll take the dung from that very animal, that blind animal you gave me. I'll take the dung and wipe it on your face. This ain't Barney Jesus, y'all. This ain't Barney Jesus. This is not Jesus that's just okay with whatever you think is okay. This is your Bible. He is so upset with the priests. Keep reading. Verse 4, he said, And you will know that I have sent you this admonition so that my covenant with Levi will continue. He says in verse 5, My covenant with him, a covenant of life and peace, I gave to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me. Levi was the first priest with Moses. And he stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. Talking about lying pastors, lying priests. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned from sin. He said, you guys aren't following Levi, who was the first priest. You've turned your back on him. Look at verse 7. For the lips of the priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction. Because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people, because you have not followed my ways, but I have shown partiality, but have but you have shown partiality in matters of the law. When you see a pastor on TV getting kicked out of his church, that's God spreading the awful right on his face. 
See, as a matter of fact, the people that you're actually mad at shouldn't be an excuse for you not to give. It should be an excuse for you, I mean, a, a, a reason for you to find a right church because that's how serious God is. God's going to expose the crooks, the shams, the false prophets. He's going to spread the dung all over their face and shame them hu- uh, publicly, humiliate them, and say they should have known better. And he said he's going to curse their children. You ever met a pastor's kid? Some of the pastor's kid that have grew up in homes or families where the pastor didn't live for God. I have met some of these people, and they're some of the hardest to bring back to God because there's a curse upon their life because of what their parents did in hypocrisy and breaking the laws of God. And so don't you today make an excuse that you're not going to give to God and to a church because of what these crooks have done. No, as a matter of fact, God is punishing them as we speak even right now. There was a pastor just a few weeks ago who was famous. If I said his name, many here who have been in part of Christianity would know. Built a large cathedral. And he started turning from God and stealing the money. And his daughter was pleading. She's an adult daughter. And she was pleading with the father, please, just make it right. We'll help you. He wouldn't make it right. The daughter had to go to the board, expose her own father, and get him kicked out of the church. Multi-million dollar ministry. Dung just wiped all over his face. You can find it on the news. Let's keep reading. Because God doesn't say, hey, because they're doing bad, everybody just take a break. No, no, no. Keep reading. Verse 10. Have we all not one father? That's what they're saying. Don't we all have one father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers by breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. Somebody say broken faith. Thank you. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves. Here it is. By marrying the daughter of a foreign God. God begins to rebuke his people and say, you've been cheating on me. You think coming to church once a week really says you love me? He says, I watch what you do Monday night with the football game, drinking beer, cursing out, looking at ladies. He says, I watch you ladies when you get the money and you don't tithe and you spend it on yourself. He said, I understand. You think you're with me, but really you've broken faith and you've married another God. You see, the people of Israel, they loved the Yahweh God on festivals and days that it benefited them. But all the other days when the other gods were having festivals, when it was Super Bowl, when they were doing the other things and Mardi Gras, see, they went on those days as well. And they were saying to God, come on, I mean, at least we're here. I mean, God, if we didn't show up, you would be all by yourself. So, I mean, God, you're kind of lonely up there. So you should just be happy we showed up. Let's read and see how God thinks about that. Verse 12. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offering to the Lord Almighty. Oh, I, bring, I come to church, I give my tithe. God says, I don't care what you do at this point if you're not living for me because obedience is better than sacrifice. Keep going. Another thing you do. Somebody say, another thing you do. You flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? Is it because the Lord is acting? It is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. 
because you have broken faith with her, though she was is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. And I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in spirit and do not break faith. Everybody say, don't break faith. Thank you. The next thing that you see here is that God is saying, I'm upset with the leaders because they are not living according to my word. He says, I'm going to spread dung on their faces, curse their children, and I'm going to kick them out of my church. And then the second thing that God says is he says, I'm upset with the people because they've married another. Now apply this to yourself. How much time do you spend with God? You know, outside of church. How much time do you spend reading your word and praying? How much time have you spent investing your finances into the things of God? We talked about the number one movie at that time uh, when I brought it up three weeks ago was Hangover 2, over $250 million. Now Terminator uh, uh, Transformers 3 taking over at $300 million. When was the last time you invested like that to God? But then here's the problem. Follow. Jesus says you come to the altars and then you cry. And you say, God, you know, my life is messed up. I, I just need you to help me. But you don't feel your life change. And you're wondering, why is it when, when there's times I come to the altar, I cry and my life doesn't change. God says he's tired of your crying. He's tired of your tears because really you're playing him as a, as a fool because he knows when you get done crying, asking him for help, you run to your adulterous affair. Because when it doesn't work out here, what do you do? You start holding on to your money. Well, if God's not going to help me, I'm just going to use the money myself. That becomes your idol. Well, you know what? I prayed at church, so I don't need to pray today. But I will go to the Cubs game. I will go to the lake. I will give my life to sports and entertainment. And then God says, you see, when you come crying, I know that you don't really mean it because you're already married to another. He knows what we do when we leave this place. And then look back at the last part of chapter 2. The day of judgment, it says in the NIV. It says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. Now God is saying, your words, God is saying this, your words have wearied me. You're wearing me out, God is saying. And then, how have we wearied you, you ask? And this is what God says. By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or where is the God of justice? You see, God is tired of us complaining. Because you might be thinking to yourself, well, Bill Gates doesn't tithe and look at his life, you know. I mean, come on. I mean, I prayed and, and I'm supposed to have a miracle by now. And, and, and God, you know, I taught my kids three Sunday school lessons when they were growing up. They shouldn't be acting crazy right now. God, 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 where are you, God? God, you said God. You said, and God says, I'm tired of you talking. You keep complaining about where am I, where am I, what have I done when it's all been you serving another God. It's all been you serving your job. Go to your job now and ask it for help for your family. You put your marriage before me. Now go to your divorced spouse and ask to, to build your family again. You see, friends, whatever we put before God will eventually tear us down. 
You put your kids before God, God will have that tear your family down. You put your family, your marriage before God, it will fall apart right in front of you. You put your job, God will allow it to torture your soul. It doesn't matter how much money you have, it will still be like a canker sore in your mouth. It will never feel right, and you'll be crying asking God, why is it not right? And God says, because your heart is with another. Your heart's with another. It's going to get good. You're halfway through. Somebody say, preach it. Come on, it's going to get good. Chapter 3. Hallelujah. God is good. And all the time. Hey, Malachi 3 verse 1. Now this is that passage we all know, but hopefully you're learning it better in its context. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. So God says, hey, I I am going to come. But I'm going to send my messenger forth first. And we know that's John the Baptist was going to come and prepare the way for Jesus to come. But look at verse 2. Because we, we want Jesus to come, but look at what he's going to do. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Then the Lord will have men who will bring offerings in righteousness and offerings of Judah and Jerusalem will be acceptable to the Lord as in days gone by, as in former years. So he says, guess what? I'm going to come and make it right. And we look back. This is Malachi, the last prophet of the Old Testament. That means they had to wait 400 years for uh, John the Baptist to come and Jesus to come. But Jesus kept his word. He took away our sins on Calvary's cross. He cleansed us. He purified us. There are now pure people offering these sacrifices to God. But look at verse 5. So I will come near to you for judgment. Does he say I'll come near to you and bop you on the head with some blessings? Is that what he says? Everybody say, blessings. Does he say, so I'm going to come near to you just to bless you real good, to come and celebrate your birthday party? He says, no, I will come near to you for what? Okay, come, Jesus. Lord, we need you to come. Okay, what's the first thing the Lord's going to do? He's going to bring judgment. What's he going to do? I will, look what he says. I will be quick to testify against sorcerers, adulterers, perjurers, against those who defraud laborers of their wages, who oppress the widows and the fatherless and deprive aliens of justice. But do not fear me, says the Lord Almighty. You see, God's going to set it in order. And one day, friends, every one of our lives is going to be exposed as clear as that because what Malachi is doing is talking about the first and second coming all together. He's going to come first for those who want him and cleanse him, and then after that, he's going to judge the whole world. This comes right out of Revelations as well. Revelations got it from Malachi that it says, On those days the books will be opened, and all liars and sorcerers and all adulterers will have their place in the lake of fire. Whoever's name's not written a book of life. Are y'all listening? So what do you see here as you're taking good notes today? You see in this chapter that God is going to send a messenger to prepare his people before his coming. And how does this relate to us today? Are you willing to accept the rebuke of the Lord and change? Do you want him now 
when he comes in grace or do you want him to judge you when he comes back the second time? You see, if you're sitting here today in the land of the living, then God will be merciful with you. If you have been stealing from the Lord, God will be good to you. If you've been cheating on him, God will forgive you. But if you don't, if you harden your heart, the day he comes in judgment, it is over for you. A lake of fire awaits you. Now let's go back to verse 6. Here's the famous passage. I, the Lord, do not change. So why am I reading Malachi? Because the Lord does not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. So God is a good God if you keep his rules. That's what he's saying. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So here's God being gracious to us. He's saying, man, you come to me right now, and I'm going to come to you. So if you're in this place right now and you're saying, I want to get right with God. I want to get right with the holy God. I want to live right. What is the message? What do I have to do? Keep reading. Because it says now, how do we return? Now we're asking that heart, God, what do I have to do to come back? And now God jumps over that question and says this. Verse 8, see, but you ask, how are we to return? Ignores that and goes right here. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. How have people robbed God in what? Tithes and offerings. Say it again. How have people robbed God? In tithes and offerings. Now look at verse 9. You are under a curse. The whole nation of you. Because you are robbing me. How do I know America is under a financial curse because of the Lord? Because they're robbing God. How do I know China's under a curse? Because they're robbing God. How do I know Nepal's under a curse? Because they're robbing God. How do I know Haiti was under a curse? Because they're robbing God. If you want to see a miracle of that, watch what happened after that when pastors gathered around in Haiti and they repented for making a covenant with Satan and declared their nation back to God. It's a tremendous video of a transformation. Keep reading. It says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not op- throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. For I will prevent pests from devouring your cops and vine from your fields will, 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 uh, will not lose their fruit. But, you know, says the Lord Almighty, then all the nations will call you blessed and for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Once again, What made America, see, let me just say this. What made Israel the most blessed nation at that time on the planet Earth was because it followed God. What brought it under a curse? Because they disobeyed God. What made America, do you think this is a coincidence that America has been the greatest nation on the planet Earth, done things that no other nation has ever done? Never in the history of man. Has a nation been so beneficial to other nations? When the tsunami hits, America is there. When the when the poor people of Dofar are suffering, America sends the Red Cross. There has the Roman Empire never did this. The English Empire never did this. They colonized nations. Hong Kong, India were all colonized. And I'm not saying everybody in America's history was righteous, but you listen to me right now. Do you think this nation popped up by accident? What is a pilgrim? Do you even know what a pilgrim is? Somebody seeking religious freedom. What were the people who founded this nation? Pilgrims. And then we look at every time we've got off from what God told us to do. 
When slavery was brought into America, there were godly men from the very beginning. John Quincy Adam, I'll tell you, presidents that were against it, just like we have presidents against abortion. But the nation kept doing slavery and slavery and slavery until the Civil War. And the Civil War killed more Americans than any war put together. Why did we suffer like that? Because we were causing innocent people to suffer. God allowed that to happen for the freedom of others. Are you listening to me? And I'm not saying every war we've ever fought is just, but I guarantee you something right now. I'll set your fanny in Saudi Arabia, and the first thing you'll be happy to see is an American soldier, my friend. I don't care what you think about our wars right now. I set your fanny in Indonesia right now. The first thing you'll want to see is one of our American soldiers. We are still a beacon of light because we still have a nation that remembers our God. But like this right here, we're robbing from him. Check it. Look up, look up evangelical Christianity when you have time in the encyclopedia and see the biggest time of evangelical Christianity was at the biggest time of America's economy, 1950. And then you tell me what happened after that. When I say the 60s, do you think godliness? When I say the 70s, what do you think? When I say the 80s, what started to happen? Prayer leaves the, uh, the, the schools. Uh, abortion comes in like a flood. We take the Bible out of public offices and judicial systems. Now we have teenagers that are running rampant, killing each other on campuses. We took away the morals from our movies and TVs. We sent our filth around the nation. The number one producer of pornography is the nation of America. We exported our filth around the world. And is it any wonder that Islamic terrorists hate us? It's because they see us as a filthy Goliath generation that is infidel from top to bottom. Doesn't give them justice, but it's the exact opposite of this promise. We were promised a safe land because guess what? When you got good crops, you got some money to buy some good swords, and then you can afford to pay your soldiers. And when you live in a free country, people will choose by themselves to be soldiers. But you see, when your economy goes down, your military begins to suffer, and then the nation begins to suffer. And right now, my friends, you mark my words today. If the church does not lead this nation out of recession, it will only get worse so that God can bless us. Let's keep going. Verse 13, because some of you might be thinking what God is saying right now. You have said harsh things against me, says the Lord. Well, hold on, God, why are we saying harsh things against you? I thought you were saying harsh things against us. God, what have we said against you? Look at verse 14. You have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his commandments and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly the evildoers prosper. And even those who challenge God escape. So while the prophet is speaking to them, all of these things about curse and blessing, what do people now say back? Do people say, man, I love you, God. Let's do it right. What are most Americans saying now? Whatever. Just thumbing their nose at, like serving God matters. Come on. Look, I gave tithes. I'm still broke. Like, like giving to God does anything. Come on, look at Lady Gaga. She don't serve God. Look how popular she is. Look at, look at Bill Gates. He doesn't serve God. Look how much. Oh, come on. Serving God means nothing. Certainly the evildoers prosper. 
And even those who challenge God, thumb their nose at God, spit at God, curse God, they escape. So what's the point? That's what they. That's what God is saying. You have said harsh things about me. That's what you think about me. It doesn't matter. What's the difference? Look at what it says in verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. See, you might have to talk to somebody up in here. And the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Verse 17, they will be mine, says the Lord Almighty. In the day when I make my treasured possession, I will spare them. Just as in compassion a man spares his son who serves him. And you again will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked between those who serve God and those who not. The Bible says you better hold on because there's coming a day when he will judge this world and you will see clearly, my friend, the distinction between good and evil, righteous and the wicked. And the Bible says all of the treasured possessions of this world will burn up in a moment, but we who have served God will become his treasure for eternity. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that is what he will reap one to everlasting life the other to destruction i want to encourage you today to sow your seed into god's kingdom whoa come on somebody i get excited when i think about god setting the record straight we have not been wasting our time we have not been wasting our money yes the world may look like it's doing fine without god but we know the truth on the inside and he will bless his people he will take care of his people And on that day, the Bible says all of your goods, all of your money, all of these things we have, your education, your family, will go up like dust. It will go up like grass in the heat of the day. The flower will fade. But you who do the will of God, you will endure forever. And the seeds that you've sown that have become treasures in heaven, no moth, no rust can destroy that. You will be rewarded with eternity. In the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. He has promised. Blessed is the man that does not stand in the way of the wicked. He does not walk in the counsel of the sinner but, but, or sit in the seat of the mocker. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law does he meditate. He or she is like a tree planted by the streams of water which yield its fruit in season. Whatever they do prospers. Psalms 1 is a promise for us today. He said, they, those people who do it the right way will be mine. And he said, they're my treasured possession. Oh, that you today would find the joy of being God's treasured possession. Look up at the notes, please, for this point here today on chapter 3. And just let it encourage you today. He starts off by rebuking them. And he says, I'm going to send a messenger. And he's going to set the record straight. And then he says, you're robbing me with tithes and offerings. And then at the last, he says, you can't make an excuse with your rebellion. And then I would add to that, but he's going to bless those who serve him. Turn with me now in the last chapter. Can you say amen? Come on, chapter 4. Here it is. God now speaks to those people. Malachi chapter 4. Hallelujah. Surely the day is coming. 
It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day is coming and it will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. Nothing of Bill Gates' kingdom will be left, my friends. Nothing of Lady Gaga's kingdom will be left. Nothing of America's got to, I don't care anything you say. Nothing of Oprah Winfrey's old world will be left. It will all be burned and set on fire. But verse 2. But you who revere my name, the son of righteousness, will rise with healing in its wings. And you will go out and leap like calves released from the stall. Then you will trample down the wicked. Oh, look out. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, these boots were made for walking. Come on, these boots were made for walking. And that's just what they're going to do. And one of these days... Come on, they're going to walk all over you. Just make sure it's not the you sitting next to you. Come on, get it right. Then you will trample down the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet. Ashes, think about that. On the day when I do these things, says the Lord Almighty, remember, verse 4, the law of my servant Moses, the decrees and laws I gave him at Horeb for all Israel. See, I will send you the prophet Elijah before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, or else I will come and strike the land with a curse. You see, in closing today, God is reminding us he's going to judge the world one day. And he's going to be a very severe judge. The wicked will be destroyed. But those who love him will be preserved. And he gave a prophecy. Now imagine this. You're Malachi. 400 years before Jesus. You think it's all hopeless. Your nation is backslidden. God says he's going to wipe dung on the priest's face. And and you're waiting for something to happen. And then God gives you this prophecy and says, one day my messenger is going to come. Elijah will come before him. But then he'll come and he'll set it all straight. Imagine the hope you would have. But he had to wait until he was on his deathbed and then he died and didn't see it and then his son and then his son but 400 years later God came in the form of his son Jesus born in a virgin God kept his promise so if he kept his promise to come the first time Though many generations passed will he not keep his promise to come back the second time What if it takes another 20 years? What if we have another 20 years of recession? What if all of these things still continue to get worse? Will you be faithful to God? Will you still serve the God? What if on your deathbed Jesus has not come back yet and America has been taken over by China and, and you're laying on your deathbed? Will you still tell your children, serve God. He will bless you. He will take care of you. You will be His treasured possession. I promise you He will never leave you nor forsake you keep serving him keep serving him that's what it was like for malachi and then one day here jesus came on the scene and now we're waiting for that second coming to summarize what you've learned today it's probably one sentence honor god with your substance and give him your best 
That was the whole rebuke in Malachi. See, it wasn't just Malachi 3, somebody trying to get your money. You see, we're not trying to get your money. See, if you're thinking that, you need to go back to the Bible and just read what it says. If you think I'm trying to get your money, then you need to say, what did I give my taxes? What did I give my mortgage? And then ask yourself, why are you not giving that to God? And then then if you say, well, you know, Pastor, I am giving my tithes, but I just feel like quitting on this and walking away from God because it doesn't make a difference. The problem isn't with your tithe and doing those things. The problem is you're cheating on him all the six other days of the week, and you thought you could buy a relationship with God like he was a hooker, like he was a prostitute. I'm just going to buy this intimacy with Jesus. Now, Jesus, you've got to be intimacy, be intimate with me, and if you do really good, I'll give you an extra tip. You see, you you summarize the whole book of Malachi. It's just people don't love your money. Put God first. And I love you today, Metro Praise. And I've never done a series on finances because I've never wanted to be accused of being that priest that would waste and squander your money. But as we came into this season, God spoke to me to do a message a week for four weeks. Next week it's over. On finances. And what brought about this season, you'll see the video and all of this in just a second, but here it is simply. We are about ready to expand into a new campus because supporters have given us the monies that we need. But as we're ready to do that, we've been lacking in our month-to-month budget. And then that's what God has been speaking to me. That's the word. Why Why have we been slacking? It's because people are giving the blind, the lame animal instead of their best. And this is my challenge. Is would you make this your church if you don't have a church? And if you do, would you be a faithful tither? And let God bless you. And let God take care of you. That's my challenge. And there's so many here that say, Pastor, I love this church. When, you know, when I come, because sometimes they don't come a lot. But when I come, this is my church. Well, guess what? We still had to pay the light bills while you were gone. And then others of you say, well, Pastor, I'm so young. I'm just a teenager. And these little $60 I make once, you know, every week, you know, I, I need to keep that. No, you don't. Because you keeping that is setting a track in your mind that money's more important than God. You know, learn at a young age to serve God. I just want to encourage you with, I'm not mad, but if we miss this, we will become this group that God rebukes so much but I'll tell you right now I won't be that pastor with dung smeared on my face you're not going to find out that I was stealing money buying prostitutes being in some homosexual love affair sniffing crystal meth I give you my word that I will serve God with everything that's within me and I'll be accountable to the leaders here and to my pastor now I ask you to do the same thing I have a funny video after this very serious sermon I want you to watch it I think it's going to help you to understand how important the tithe is. Then we'll do announcements and receive the tithe and offering. So, uh, Ellie, would you prepare that video for us, please? And I think everybody, I think you guys are going to enjoy this.
All right, let's bless the Lord for that. Come on. How many can uh, relate to that in one way or another? Either somebody you've heard say that or you've said that. I want you to look on the screen right here because I want to share with you 12 things that your tithe enables Metro Praise to do. Because we take it serious when you invest in what God is doing here in our church. The first thing that I want you to see as he's getting it up is that you provide a church for over 400 people every week. They may not all show up, but the chairs are here. The children's ministry is there. The cafe is waiting for them. 200 seats here, at least 50 children in the back. Do you know that when we had Easter, there was 500 people packed the place out? You're giving to that so it can happen. Imagine what God did in your life happen in their life. Number two, you give free training to our youth and children. Our youth never have to bring $5 for a pizza party, $10 for a lock-in. It's always free. Royal Rangers, most churches offer it with an upfront registration fee, but it's free to join and be a part of it. Number three, you provide free rides for God's people with two vans. There are two vans running at every one of our services, youth services. They're even shared for life groups to help bring transportation. You pay the, vet, uh, the gas and the upkeep of those vehicles. Free tutoring, computers, printing, and counsel for students. During the school year, after-school program is going on 24-7. Kids can use the computers, print out what they need. They can get counsel, free snacks. It's all there for them. You supply an outreach to the west side every week. Do you know that every Saturday we minister to at least 30 children from out there, bringing them over here, giving them snacks, taking care of them, blessing their families, baptizing them when they come to the Lord, giving them free materials. And this August we'll be doing the back-to-the-school party, Thanksgiving. We do the, the, the free turkey dinners, always something going on on the west side, and you supply that. You give to our outreaches, the Puerto Rican Festival, for three days. We'll be the only church out there giving out the free food, the face painting. All of that was free for the community. The Taste of Chicago, and we weekly go out to Wicker Park. The flyers, the materials, the things that we do, supported by this church. Number seven, offices and classrooms for SUM Bible College. Do you know that there is a Bible college, an extension campus of SUM here, training up 20 students to be in full-time ministry? This room is used as a classroom. The other rooms are used as a classroom. The offices, all of that supporting the work of God. Number nine, provide for the pastor's homes in need. Because you are giving, my wife and I don't have to go out and get a secular job. Aren't you glad that when you're getting surgery, brain surgery, uh, I don't know if anybody's had that, but maybe you're getting your dentistry work done. How many are glad you don't have your dentist come in after pedaling his bike because he goes, my car broke down. I've been up all night because there's no air conditioning. And, uh, you know, my wife had to go get another job, and so I didn't get to bring my lunch, so I'm pretty hungry. But let's start operating on your teeth why is it in this world we recognize to take care of people who do great things why not take care of our pastors and if you'll take care of me then i can take care of a youth pastor one day a worship pastor and a children's pastor but it has to start and to keep going number 10 allow people to come to retreats for free this year was our biggest retreat year 110 people and of over 50 percent were scholarship including children and we boast about that because we didn't want anybody to miss out number 11 we sow seed into other ministries 
Uh, Pastor Grogan did a bicycle ride in Urbana, 60 miles for 60th birthday for my friend's church plant in New Orleans. We gave $3 a mile for $180, made it an even 200 to sow seed into what God is doing in New Orleans. We sowed seed into the church that's now in our old building. We are a seed-sowing church. Every time we can give to another ministry, you take part in that. And then number 12, we offer free mission trips, conferences, and events for the community. When we met the the church from Zion, where we do our retreat at, they said, you know, uh, we're bummed out because we can't go to the Dream Center this year in Los Angeles. We can't afford it. It's too much money. And I used to lead Teen Mania mission trips, where kids would have to pay $1,000 to be on a mission trip. We said to Mount Zion, come to here, Chicago. You'll do the same work in the inner city, out at the city, feed everybody, do all of that. Just come for free. Free mission trip. You didn't even know, but they were here. Conferences. We don't call them conferences because conferences sound lame to me and make people think there's a fee. My wife and I are invited to conferences all the time. And the first thing we ask is, how much does it cost our people? Somebody wanted us to join a parenting conference. $25 per parent. We in our church believe God's people should give freely, not because of a fee. And so when I debate the Muslim on Sunday morning or when Brother Glenn was here as a guest speaker, you don't have to pay a conference fee to come to our special services. And those of you from other churches know what I mean. Nothing wrong with those who do, but I'm saying our tithes provide for that here. And the events for the community. This Wednesday, as you're going to hear in our announcements, family night. Movie presented here. Basketball goals in the parking lot. Games there. Free popcorn and refreshments for everybody that comes so that you can bring a family or a loved one or just your friend and hang out in the church and have fun. All of that is free, and it always is. Three-on-three basketball tournament has been free, and I could go on time and time again. Halloween, Easter, anytime we're doing something in the church that is a holiday, you know we're giving things to your children, and it's always free. Your tithes and offerings make that possible. Can you stand to your feet? Bless the Lord for what he's doing. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I want to encourage you today with what God is doing at Metro Praise, that you get to be a part of this. We're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offerings. To remind you of what a tithe is, is 10% of your total income. Whatever comes into your hands, we believe 10% of that belongs to God. You've heard it so clearly today. An offering is whatever you offer to God above your tithes. I want to encourage you to do this as we're looking forward to our new campus. Brother, would you put up that video for me, please? I want to play this video and share with you why we need your help right now more than ever before. So as our brother prepares this, get excited. Just look at your neighbor and say, we need a revolution. Come and look at your other neighbor and say, revolution. Amen.
How many want to take over Wicker Park for Jesus? Come on. Come on. It's our time. Now, let me just share this with you. Let me share why we are in this need. Band, would you come, please? This is the reason why we're here, because during Easter time, we planned for this to happen. The funds for the building, the new Wicker Park, are already here. As a matter of fact, right now, we're having to borrow against those funds to pay the bills that we owe in our money. And why do I think we owe this? Now, as a pastor, I had to ask myself a question. Did we do? Now, I didn't just ask this to myself, by the way, to my pastor, to the leaders. And uh, next week, you're going to hear a lot about our plans to move forward. And I believe we've come up with great plans. God is moving. But just hear me when I say I sought counsel on this, okay? So the first, the first one was, did we just miss it by coming here? Was this the wrong plan? Should have stayed where we were, too big, too much, too, too big of a nut to try to bring into our little nut nest egg thing. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't go with the nut any further. How many know of a big nut? You can get a little raccoon trying to eat the nut. Okay, so it's just too big of a nut. And just had to think, man, did I mess up? The second thing was, did the people mess up? So did we mess up like, hey, let's go to Wicker, uh, I mean, let's go to Irving Park. We can't afford it. Woo. Stuck out, you know, and now we don't know what to do. Or did the people mess up? And so while I was thinking of those two things, you know what God said? It's neither. It's number three. Some are doing awesome and making it happen. And that's why you came is because it's supposed to happen. And that's what it's all about. And it, you obeyed me. You stepped out. I mean, God's affirming this to me. But then the other thing is he said is then there's some who are not doing that. And so that's why I believe God allowed this to happen because it's, it's like you're about ready to lose your one campus as you're starting the second campus. That doesn't make any sense. Or somebody might say, well, take the money from the second and put it towards the first. Consolidate. But that's not the issue because if we consolidate, then all we've done is taken what the few are doing and still dispersing it. But if just everybody does their part, we can do both. Does everybody understand? If you have three kids in your house and you say, hey, guys, I'm going to give each one of you an allowance, you know, for doing your job. If nobody does, if, if the two don't do their job and the one does all three of their jobs, shouldn't you give him all three? All three of the Yes. Okay, but you don't then just say, now I'm going to pay Johnny to do all your work from this point on. You then come back to your kids and go, hey, I paid Johnny this time, but you all need to start working too. And that's why I felt the Lord tell us to do this. Trust me, next week is going to be fun, exciting. We're going to hear about all the plans and how God is doing this and how we believe we'll never even get to this point. And just to kind of tie it in just a little bit, one of the things, we're going to present, uh, you know, monthly budgets to you on your announcements every month so you can actually see what it looks like in the church, where the money's going, and I think it will make you excited because you'll see it moving. You'll see stuff happening, you know, so it's not like, boo, what happened? You'll be like, no, look right here, man. We gave the missions here. We gave here. I just think that would be cool for you guys, amen? And it will take no longer than the, than the offering already is, so don't even worry about that. But that's what we're doing. So what we're asking right now is just basically two things. We're asking, can you give an offering? Those of you who have been tithers, we're saying, man, can you do something extra right now so we can eliminate this debt? Please help us pray. Ask the Lord. And then the second thing is, if you haven't been tithing and you love this church and you believe in this and you don't want us to get kicked out of this building, would you please pray and ask God what you can give right now? And some of you are saying, well, I'll just make it real simple, Pastor. I have nothing. Let me encourage you. 
with this testimony. I wanted to share it last week, but I couldn't. I have nothing to. The church is 15000 in debt. This is my business. Do you guys get what I'm saying? I have nothing, and not only do I have nothing, I have a lot that I owe people. Is everybody getting this right here? So pastor's not doing so good. So I'm praying the first week, and I'm just like stretching my faith, and I'm saying, God, I have got to give something. Lord, give me a number to pray for. Just put it in my heart. I'll pray for, you know, maybe $10, Lord, and somebody will, you know, $10 will come to my hands. So God gives me this number, and I won't share what it is because it's between me and God. And then my wife comes to me and says, God said the same thing to me. So like quinky dink, like Holy Ghost quinky dinks are fun. So it was like God spoke this word to both of us, and I'm like, cool, but we don't have any money. So we need to both pray that we can give this. So then I'm in Oakland in the San Francisco meeting out there in the Bay Area uh, for my Bible college that I work for. And I was doing this recruiting work. Long story short, we recruited Chicago more churches to join with the Bible college than anybody else. And I had to resign. And I just said, man, this is too much work. It's either the school or the church. And I definitely got to do the church. But then the president, he said to me, he said, you did such a good job that I just want to keep paying you. You don't even have to do all the work you were doing. I'm just going to keep paying you. You just keep doing what you're doing, and I'm going to bless you. Look at your neighbor say, blessing. Woo, come on. The prayers went up. The blessings came down. And next week, I'm sowing my seed. Hallelujah. So will you just pray with me and just dream big? And do something great for God. And uh, we're just going to tell you about our announcements uh, in closing here. We have uh, life groups going on this week. Does anybody love life groups? Amen. Join a life group if you haven't already. Our vision is what? Loving God and? Amen. We want to connect you to these life groups. Get involved with the 101 book here. It will change your life. As you go through that 101, we're going to get you in the 201. Somebody say, disciples. Amen. And then everybody go like this and go, Come on, do it again. Amen. And we believe we can send you out to change the world. 100,000 disciples here in Chicago with 50 churches, 48 more to go, and 500 around the world. Only 300 more to go. Can you say amen? Amen. We want to do this, Mamma Jamma. And then one of the events we were talking about is uh, coming up here on one of these slides. Can we get this uh, the family night? It's going to be this Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Bring out your family. It's going to be awesome. Just come out, free movie, um, free pony rides, whatever else you need to, to, to motivate you to come out. Free car giveaway. Amen. <laughs> Somebody's going to come back. Where's my free car? Let's pray. We're going to dismiss in prayer. You can always give online, but just challenge your heart with God today to get right and break that spirit of poverty. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today that, Lord, you're breaking that spirit of poverty over us first and then over our nation. God, I pray for you to bless those who have been just faithful, God. And, Lord, sometimes it's hard, God, to be faithful, but I thank you for their faithfulness. It means so much to us, and I know you're going to reward them. And, Lord, I thank you for those that heard the message today, and now they're going to apply it. Lord, I pray that obedience, faithfulness will stick in their hearts today, God. I pray that they'll see my heart is genuine, that there's nothing up our sleeve. There is no wool being pulled over the eyes, no bamboozling. God, we're just serving you here, and we just need help, God. And we know you brought the right people. I see this congregation grow every week and new people. Lord, I know you've brought the right people. So I pray that they'll start doing their part. And then, God, you said in your words, you would bless us. You would throw open the gates of heaven.
and you would pour us out a blessing that we don't have enough room to receive. You would bless our children and our children's children. So, Lord, I pray you bless those in college getting reeducated and those on their jobs with promotions and, and, and Lord, repositioning and sales and inventive ideas. Just increase them, Lord, and bless us, God. And, Lord, as we get ready to dismiss today, altar workers, would you come? Lord, if there's anybody here that needs to repent of sin, be born again, have prayer for healing, God, I pray they'll come today and experience what makes this church so awesome, that you answer prayer here. You change lives here. We're so thankful, God, that you do that every week here. We just ask you to bless all that we do today and this week. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can we bless the Lord? Come on. Let's read what Philippians says. One, two, three. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you come rejoicing as you give? If you need prayer, come receive it. The cafe is open. We love you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you at Life Group.